coming up this week off screen. The story of the Boston Marathon bombing comes to the screen with Patriots Day. Dane DeHaan tries a cure for wellness. George Best is all by himself. Xavier Dolan assures us it's only the end of the world. Nicolas Cage unleashes some Southern Fury. And French drama comes with some sweet dreams. All those to come and more off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Off Screen, the on screen radio show. Welcome to Off Screen. I'm Van Connor. I'm Case Allen. And we're back. We're back for another week of fun packed film reviews, film news, box office top 10. Yeah, I've got about 75 pieces of news. It's always good to have too much, I think, rather than too, too much little. and too few. Exactly. Yeah. We should start with a little bit of housekeeping because last week's show wasn't our normal. You and I were no. in separate locations. We were. I was in a bunker. You were in a bunker. I was yeah. here in Flashpoint. So we had our, our new remote recording facility set up. And it, I think we were about 95% of the way there. There were a couple of little glitches. And yeah, then. A few little tweaks to be done, but uh, at at some point we'll never have to set foot in the same room ever again. No, exactly. You'll never have to see me again. Can you imagine that? The wonders of technology. I will never darken your your door with my beard (laughs) ever again. (laughs) Right, so um, loads to get through this week. As you say, loads of film news. So Um, much. There's six premium films to get through as well. Well, okay, maybe three premium. (laughs) Three three premium, (laughs) two less premium. Couple of budgets. Exactly, yeah. yeah. And then the Nicolas Cage one. and um, Which is... Yeah, let's, ultimate primo. Yeah, ultimate. Yeah. That's that, that's beyond premium. That's that's just platinum. That's what that, <laughs> that's platinum quality. <laughs> I bet you five pounds. Nicholas Cage stars in a film called Platinum within the next five years. <laughs> <laughs> Would not surprise me. Yeah. And he is a man covered completely in liquid metal. He's just kind of like working his way through the dictionary. He's just like, I've not made a film yet. Name yet? <laughs> it, I think that's Boom. what it is. I think that's what it is. But so we've got all those. So should we start yeah. with the first half of the box office top ten? Get that out. Let's the do way, that now. Yeah, and we'll move on to uh, all the cinematic goodness as soon as we gotten rid of our our top 10 obligations number 10 moonlight which is really 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 good despite what some people have said despite what some people said that we we can't really we're not going to talk about that but let's just talk about the film at hand which i i thought was great you were a big fan you saw this before me but but then again i'm a white man so of course i'm gonna (laughs) exactly i can't not talk about (laughs) you're a privileged white middle class man of course yeah no it's it's fantastic isn't it it really is good it's it's one of those films that it's as good as an actual film as it is to just witness to watch as a work of moving visual art it has from my perspective it has the the wondrous neon glow of a michael mann mid-80s film with a sort of sent that that urban sensibility it's got those blues and the purples and the pink it does, and those performances, great performances, yeah. particularly for Mahershala Ali. I like Naomi Harris a great deal in it, but I also like all three of the performances yeah. of a central oh, character. Show on, yeah, because I mean, I only remember um, Travante Rhodes because he's he's been cast in other things since, but they're all kind of unknowns to begin with, aren't they? Pretty much, Pretty yeah. Much. I don't I don't recall seeing them before. I mean, when you think about it, the whole cast, it's not really... I mean, Mahershala mm. Ali has really just become a name within the last year, and he's been working towards that for a few years now. Well, he's the latest J.K. Simmons, isn't he? I've been in everything, and you're finally learning my name. Yeah, Thank now you. give me my best supporting actor, Oscar. <laughs> exactly. And hopefully he will, but we'll talk about it next week. Number nine. Blah, blah, land. 
Hollywood Sing Street. Is that what we're calling it? <laughs> Did you watch... Uh, the Honest uh, Trailer. The Honest Trailer. Yeah, has no Hollywood. one seen Sing Street, really? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and funnily enough, when it got to towards the end of the year, I think I neglected to include Sing Street when we got to the top ten of the year last year, and I really oh, should have. It's great. It's so good, and I love John Carney's films. And But anyway, on to La La Land, which yeah. is not Sing Street. Mm. Um, I don't think La La Land is as good as Sing Street, just FYI. But, but, I, but I do really, really yeah, like it's it It's very, lot. very good. Yeah. It's not as good as Sing Street, but, you know, a few things it's, in it's life a, are. It's a different film. Like, don't don't compare. Oh, yeah. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't don't compare a martini to Guinness. Well, exactly. Like, yeah, I, mean, we, I mean, we're preparing Days of Future. We're comparing Days of Future Past to Godzilla. Two very different films. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> and more X Men talk next week. Um, so La La Land, great uh, performance from uh, Ryan Gosling in the lead. Almost said Ryan Reynolds there. Uh, Emma Stone, I don't think has as much to work with in the same level of flair. Really, I, I feel she's like she's got a bigger character. Yeah, I feel like she is the lead, and she. I, think, I, think, I think she's definitely got as much to do. I feel like she gets saddled with a lot of whining on. Early. And he just gets to kind of be cool. It's unbalanced in that way. Well, you know, he's a musician. <laughs> exactly. This is the story of your life. Really. <laughs> it kind of goes over territory. You find story that musicians tend life. to be a little bit more kind of laissez-faire and just kind of go along with stuff. And people in drama will just make a lot of things about this is, this is what we get here people uh, an insight into the world of case alan he spent before being married he spent his evening evenings lounging around jazz clubs thinking why can't i find someone to love me for who i am still do and i'm and, already married exactly and then la la land came along and answered it all for him and spoke to him on a personal level it is fun it is are you, are you posting a world where me and Ryan gosling are comparable as human specimens i think i did Wow. You're a beautiful person. Let's move on. Apparently I am. Number eight. <laughs> Tiger. <laughs> that is a lion. That that's is the lion. MGM lion as well. That is actually that one. Is it actually? That's actually, the, that's the 2008 that version is, of the MGM lion. That is commitment to lions. <laughs> really so well done. Is. Yeah. Uh, so, lion. Lion, which I really enjoyed. Which I enjoyed way more than I thought it was going to. I think it, it was undersold. I think it was sold with a very schmaltzy looking ad campaign. It was like it was that fluffy Weinstein uh, Weinstein Weinstein, Weinstein. Weinstein. <laughs> Fans, uh, fluffy Weinstein uh, Oscar film that they always put out yeah, every exactly. year. And it's really not. It's not. It's, it's it's not all, there's a lot more going on for it and it is a lot more sincere and a lot more half and you can be very cynical about it based on that marketing campaign. Yeah, But I think that's yeah. unfair. I think that's doing it a service it doesn't deserve. I think the performances are great particularly uh, Dev Patel and uh Nicole Kidman. I think uh, David Wenham is, is so great. unappreciated for this film, I think. It's not yeah. Oscar-worthy, but it's a very, very good performance. I can't wait to see him uh, in the Iron Fist Oh, yeah? Trailer. Oh, yeah. he is. He's the villain, he's, isn't he? He's, he's your big bad. Is, is he the token, I took, over the, I took over your dad's company, but I used to be his friend, but secretly I'm the villain character? Yeah. Yeah. He, yeah. he is... Yeah, he, he is Hamlet's uncle. He's he's Scar, <laughs> essentially. Really? Because we're going to talk about that film yet. I'll tell you what, let's we get are the top ten out of the way, do the plugs, and then we'll, we'll do that. I will just quickly say something about Dev Patel. Go on. I feel like he is the upset if Mahershala Ali doesn't win. Ooh, yes, yes. I think yeah. one of those two. One of yeah. those two guys needs to win that. And Lion is terrific, and you should see it. Number seven. That is the noise that I make when I wake up. I can uh, imagine. I can absolutely <laughs> imagine. Uh, T2, train spotting. Which is uh, very much one of those, uh, an evolutionary film rather than a straight sequel. It is uh, one of those stories. It, it's, uh, supposedly, it is based on porno by Irvin Welsh. 
And sort I, of loosely. Loosely. Yeah. And it is a very, very loose adaptation. What they've done instead is taken the opportunity to say, hey, you know what? Let's look at what happens when these characters age and make the film about the process of aging. Make it about this. Because the story is really unconnected to the first train spotting. It's other than the ending of the first train spotting. There's not much in the way of you have to have seen the first to get this again. They are all sort of, you know, new characters for all intents and purposes, mm. but they're new versions of old characters. And um, the fact that it has so much focus on the ennui of middle age is one of those things that will either really work for you in that you are looking for an evolutionary film or it will put you off because you just want the sequel to the first film. I sat about halfway in the middle of that to be honest. I didn't dislike it I didn't particularly love it. I did enjoy it though. And It's just good to see those characters again. Exactly. Although let, let's be really honest about this one. Ewan McGregor really isn't trying to be anything more than Ewan McGregor at this point. There is, There's no... Uh, what was his character's name? <laughs> I can't, Renton. Renton? Not so much Renton, he's just Ewan McGregor. Number six. Hidden figures. The help. In space! I know, I feel like it is unfair to make that comparison. <laughs> it but is. it's also quite easy and we're sort apt. of going. Yeah. <laughs> it is apt. But it's, it's because of the nature of it and. Uh, it's the tone. The it's, tone. It's totally the well. tone. It's totally the tone. Here, here, here is my thing about the film. I really enjoyed it. I kind of saw it. Not meaning to say it, it was like a, it was a, it was a secret screening, screening yeah. that Odin do on like mm. a monthly basis. And um, I thought this is a really, really fantastic story. I think there's three really great central performances. They are Any indeed, which one they? could be nominated. Janelle for... Monet, Taraji P. Henson, yeah. uh, Octavia Spencer, all three great. Yeah. No argument for me. Absolutely. I just... I just don't like the screenplay. I just found the dialogue just really stilted. You, and you warned me about that I as want, well. Yeah, but I I feel like I, it was literally me and my wife who were just like, this dialogue is really just... Yeah, you said to me, ahead yeah. of seeing it, be, be warned, it's got some of the worst dialogue you're going to hear this year. And I went in and thought, it's pretty hokey in places, but no hokier yeah, than anything in The Help. It had that level of... And I think it was that tonal consistency of The so? Help. I think it's on par. Mm. I think it's very much there's, on par. There's a couple of characters that get a little bit shunted to the side. Mahershal Ali, but he's, he's got Moonlight, so... Yeah, well, I mean, he's, he don't care. he's got he's no like, role in yeah. this film. His job is just to be, hey, studly military guy. Yeah. Slash potential love interest. Yeah. Let's let's get married. Let's get married. I've known you for two days. <laughs> it's the Frozen scenario, that's what it is. Cool. Uh, should we have uh, a little bit of film news? Go on, what you got? Okay, so let's, let's kick it off with something that you have just alluded to. Oh, was this... Yeah, go on. Okay, so this is amazing. Uh, so we know that uh, Disney are doing a uh, Lion King... Live action. Well, it's not Re- reimagining. Can't call it live action, can we? Really? I'm, I'm still going to call it live action because it's yeah. going to be mocap. Yeah. So it's still live in action. the style of the Jungle Book from the director of the of Jungle, Jungle Book, Book because yeah. it made all the money. And who doesn't love John Favreau? Tell and me, it, who doesn't love John Favreau? Exactly. It was a great film, though, wasn't it? Jungle exactly. Um, so two pieces of casting. The first, well, arguably the two uh, biggest pieces of casting news to come from it. Uh, James Earl Jones will be back as Mufasa. That is amazing. Which is just that that gives me hope that Nathan Lane will be back. I, no, no, I want Jeremy Irons back. That's that too. That's it. You've got to get Jeremy Irons. In fact, just got to get, get Jeremy Irons. The Zion. entire original cast back. No one's going to mind. Yeah. Honestly, no one's going to care. No apart one's calling from, you lazy. Apart from Matthew Broderick. No, no one wants Matthew Broderick. Back. Because Adult Simba is going to play by Donald Glover. Great. Love it. I mean, I'm sold. Because he essentially lives at Disney now, doesn't he? Because <laughs> he now he's got. He's in, he's in Spider Man. He's in Spider Man yeah. Homecoming. He's, he's in, in uh, Star Wars. He's, he's going to be Lando. Yeah. And, and, and now the live action. So I feel like there's crossover because 
Do you feel yeah. like maybe they just gave him this gig because they thought, you know what, he's going to have a lot of breaks in the middle of all this Han Solo gump, so uh, let's just give him something to do Give, in the give him a roll cap suit to put yeah. on, like, in between wearing the Lando cape. And, uh... you know, there's going to be behind-the-scenes footage of him in a mocap suit with, like, that Lando afro thing. Yeah, and the Lando <laughs> pencil stack. Exactly. Hello, Can't what wait. have we here? But I, uh, I really want Jeremy Irons to come back as a villain because I don't know how else oh, me to too, do that. me too. Other than... I feel like the only thing standing in his way is the fact that he is in-house at Warner Bros. Yeah, there is that. But... You know what? See. Just get see. Idris to do it again. Because Idris, Idris is in-house at Idris is in-house at Disney now, yeah. so Idris can do it. He did a, a, a great Shere Khan. Why not? And let's plug the podcast real quick then. Extended mm. version of this show. We didn't get to do any podcast extras last week for time reasons. Um, so we, this week we're going to review Sweet Dreams and Best in the podcast extras with uh, some of our 74 pieces of film news. Uh, I'll, I'll probably no, give you about uh, 50, 56 pieces. We'll exactly. Yeah. So uh, pop along to Acast, iTunes, uh, TuneIn. We on Stitcher? Is that a thing? Stitcher is now Deezer. And but yes, we are. Oh, no, nobody, nobody tells me nothing. <laughs> but yeah, so just download the free podcast edition of Off Screen on there. Get your extended edition through, and and you know what? We 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 have some fun. We have some. We, we have a moment. Of we, have, we have some japes, don't we? We have some japes, some capers. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Off Screen, the On Screen Radio Show. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, should we start with the first and probably the most high-profile release of this Yeah, week? I think we should. So, uh, this is uh, by Peter Berg, starring his best mate, Marky Mark, <laughs> Marky Mark, in Patriot's Day. Third time in a row as well. Third Peter Berg film in a row yeah, has been almost, A, a true story, and yeah. B, starred Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah, and uh, two coming almost within 12 months. Well, that's it, because... In fact, when, when was... Deepwater what, Horizon that was, was only four like, or five months ago. I think it was about September, so yeah. Wow, that, yeah, is... it, was, it, was, it was a fall movie, wasn't it, The Water Rise? They, they must have shot about, like, back-to-back. Back. <laughs> so. A fall movie. <laughs> a fall movie. Do you think uh, Mark Wahlberg did that uh, that, that bit that, Mark, that they, they parodied Ben Affleck for doing in Family Guy, which is, oh, i got to be Henry VIII in 20 minutes. Yep. Hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello. Got it. <laughs> Oh, oh! I've got to be the, I've got to be investigating Boston Marathon bombing in twenty minutes. <laughs> Let me see if I can get a Boston accent on. <laughs> I, I can't. I I can't. Oh, I'll get it eventually. <laughs> and yes, that accent is back. Obviously, Good. have you seen Patriots Day? Did you I, I have one? not. I've not right. seen it. So let's say third third one of these in a row then for Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. And wouldn't you know, it's another flag waving pro Republican, you know, all American hero movie. Mm. Um, this one does not have the stupidity of uh, Lone Survivor. It doesn't have the uh, brilliant Irwin Allen sort of sensibilities of uh, Deepwater Horizon. This is very much a down and dirty true story on the street look at the Boston Marathon bombing, which was 2013, I believe yes. now. Um, so you've got an ensemble cast. The, the events obviously of that day take place. The bombs go off during the Boston Marathon, and you have a series of what appear to be inter- unconnected stories. So you have, for instance, this uh, small-town uh, New England police department in which J.K. Simmons works, for instance, and we get little glimpses of him here and there. We get um, a nurse, for instance, and her boyfriend. We get a glimpse of them. We don't know how they're going to tie in. And what you've got is basically the opening five minutes of an episode of Casualty, where all these unconnected elements you I know like are going to... Yeah, yeah. They're going to come together eventually. It's just a question of how. And what you then get is this taut procedural look at the days of the days following and the investigation of the Boston Marathon bombing. We have a clip. The three fatalities that we know one's a child in the street in front of the forum. What are they doing? 
What? I said that's an eight-year-old kid under there. No, they can't move the body. We gotta clear them out. Tell them to clear out of there. Sorry, Sergeant. Could be clues in the blood splatter bomb residue on the boy's body. We can't risk moving him. Nothing. What's the matter with you guys? You gotta tell that boy's parents that their son's still lying on the street. Turn it down. All right. All right, Billy. All right. We've gotta decide who's running this, and we have to decide quickly. If it's terrorism, it's yours, right? Gentlemen, the moment we label this terrorism, everything changes. It's not about Boston anymore. It's not a local investigation. It's Wolf Blitzer, it's stock markets, it's politicians. Knee-jerk reactions, anti-Muslim backlash. And what if we're wrong? I mean, there's no take-back. I've been through this before. If we don't call it what we already know it is. And a cell is activated, and they hit Chicago, or New York, or Washington, what happens then? The accusations are going to come no matter what we do. Kevin Bacon, John Goodman, and Mark Wahlberg there. Now, that's a good trio to have in a film, isn't it? Yes. Right. So, yes. It, right, I'll, I'll start with the really good stuff, because there, there are there, there are bad points to it, and th- but they are symptomatic Peter Berg bad points. That's the mm. worst part. There, is, there doesn't seem to be a slow-motion American flag in this one, by the way. I did check. But is there the prerequisite end credits montage of... Let me get to yeah. it. Just let me get to it, because I promise you he's taking it to a whole new level this time, but there is no Peter Gabriel cover, <laughs> mercifully. Yeah. Right, so um, the actual story of... The, the actual cinematic storyline of the film, the actual Boston Marathon thing, very, very well done. And by utilising the seemingly disconnected storyline idea, what they come with is a very clever way of telling the story. Uh, this is an intent, I don't know if you know this, that this film is made up of two separate films merged together. There is a Casey Affleck film folded into this. I knew that that was coming. There were three coming. There was Mark Wahlberg, Casey Affleck, and Jake Gyllenhaal. There but I didn't know that they're like interlinked. Yeah. I thought they were just two separate The Casey projects. Affleck one has been We're actually going to be yeah included no 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 the, the casey affleck one was dissolved and that its script was incorporated into this no that that's still happening is it still happening no still i know happening. the jake jill one which is stronger that is still coming the casey affleck one which was called boston strong is in this and the film makes a very big mm. song and dance about that title as well um this is online you can oh, find it easily. i think it's, it's, it's on the, the wiki page because it was going to be a uh, uh, david gordon green i believe so yeah. um the, the the writing behind it all is actually quite sharp. The procedural stuff really lands. It really works. You are gripped. But you're gripped in that way that Peter Berg can handle very well. If you remember The Kingdom in 2007, which I actually think is Peter Berg's best film, will always be Peter Berg's best film, this, for me, comes a close second. And Very Bad Things comes third, just because I love that movie, and I think Jeremy Piven's terrific in it. Also, who doesn't like seeing Christian Slater? Anyway, also, who doesn't like Jeremy Piven? Me. How do you not like Jeremy Piven? Because it's Jeremy Piven. Apart from... Do we need to hug it out? It's ten years, man! Ten years! <laughs> That's the best thing he's ever done. <laughs> but, no, because we're going to get to John Cusack later. Um, it, it hits its story beats as well as it hits its emotional beats. And its emotional beats do actually land. There is a terrific scene, for instance, in which Mark Wahlberg returns home just to get five minutes peace and quiet and all of his family are waiting, all his extended family are waiting for him, and he just flips out. Mm. And it seems unfair in the moment we think actually yet yeah, to really emotionally resonant scene and mark Wahlberg plays it pretty well i mean he's still doing his uh, i seen you eating lunch alone yeah lose that routine i've seen <laughs> him still doing the whole ted accent but it works for what it is um but there's also a couple of things in there uh so uh, melissa benoist from uh supergirl mm. really genuinely great performance in there she plays the the wife of one of the bombers 
Yeah. And it becomes a... And apparently it's a question that endures to this day as to whether... How much did she know? Was she a Willy accomplice? There is a scene, and you'll see it in the trailer, in which she's interrogated by Candy Alexander from CSI Miami. And she's she's the interviewer, and she's wearing the hijab as well. And the scene they have together is genuinely chilling. It's mm-hmm. a brilliant scene. And it's the standout scene of the film. That and the Wahlberg freaking out bit, they are terrific. <laughs> J.K. Simmons gets one of the most realistic shootouts you'll see this side of, of Heat. And you know what? Everyone goes home happy. Except, before they have a chance to do that, Peter Berg decides to end a film the only way he knows how. Only this time, he's beefed it up a bit. What, you remember uh, You remember Lone Survivor? Ended with a montage, didn't it? Yeah. Uh, Peter Gabriel uh, covering David Bowie. Yep. And then... Um, Lots of shots of soldiers holding flags and staring off into the middle distance. There's a lot of that going on. And then uh, Deepwater Horizon. I forget what the song is... Is oh. there a song? Or was it just? It I just don't like think a, there's a song. There was. Ju- they were just, just some, photos. Some, though, some music. They? They were just photos. Photos of the real guys. This time, here's what he does. He takes the two-hour, fifteen-minute movie you've just seen, and then he gives you all the big moments from it, but the real people. And yeah, oh, and it goes on for about ten minutes. Yeah, and you sort of think. I've just seen the movie. I know it's real because I know it happened. And also, you opened the film with based on true events. So, yeah, even you know that we know it's it's real. Why are you showing us this? Maybe he's just really proud at how accurate he got it. Yeah, it's just like, yeah. look what I did. It's a spot the difference. <laughs> it kind of works like that. Although I will say, in some cases, in some cases they do look weirdly like the real people, the actors. Um, other weird thing about it, he does this whole ten minute documentary. Never stops to mention the Mark Wahlberg character is fictional, but yeah, oh, right. never stops to mention that. Because it's it's also weirdly coincidental this Mark Wahlberg character keeps showing up at all the important events of the film, and you're thinking there's no way a real guy did that. Because but that being said, I feel like I feel like there is almost certainly a Boston person that every single Boston character of Mark Mark Wahlberg has played (laughs) is based on a Boston person. Do see it? I I think you will like it. I tend to. I I think it's Peter Berg's second best film. I think it's after The Kingdom for me. I think The Kingdom is his benchmark. This is number two. I think uh, Deepwater Horizon is my favourite. It's towering inferno really, at sea, isn't it? It's so I much mean, fun. How could you not 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 love that? And I've I've got a friend who works in the oil industry, and he said that he saw it, and it was it was basically just like a big kind of like oil nerd out fest for him because he was like, look at all these companies that I work with. My dad works <laughs> in shipping. They had the same thing yeah. with uh, Captain Phillips. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look at that container! Ooh. I know. <laughs> look at that container! Ooh, Ooh, that. Oh. I got them rivets just right. <laughs> Riveting. <laughs> Riveting. Oh. Uh, yeah, do see it anyway. Um, it is it is intriguing. Uh, should we move straight on to It's Only the End of the World? Because we're pushed for time. We have a little bit. So uh, this is uh, Xavier Dolan. Xavier Dolan, that, uh, who was once like this this nebbish 20-year-old wonder kid. And uh, is, yeah. is now, what, he's like 28 now? 28-year-old French-Canadian maestro, as it were. Mm. And he's, uh, he's adapted this play. What he's done is he's cleverly repurposed it. We've not got a clip because it's all in French. He's cleverly repurposed this into an all-stars of European cinema affair. Mm. So... Okay. Leia Sadu turns up. So, Marianne Cotillard turns up. So, Vinnie Cassell turns up. So, <laughs> Vinnie Cassell. Yeah, Gaspar Ulliel turns up. So, Hannibal Lecter himself, the young one, turns mm. up. And what's that? Doesn't he do a perfume advert or something as yeah. well? That uh, I'm not going to be who he wanted me to be anymore. That's all I know him from, really. But, oh, that guy. Yeah, you know, he, he was the fan choice to be, uh, what's his sparkly face in sparkly Twilight? Face? Ugh. What's, 
What's sweet? Who's what Pattinson yeah, played? Pattinson, Edward Cullen. Edward, Edward Cullen. Cullen. Yeah, yeah, he, he was yeah. sort of like the fan choice. For Edward <laughs> Cullen. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah. So um, the idea is, Gaspar Ulliel's character is uh, is a gay writer. He uh, is not so much a stranger to He's just not been home in twelve years. They don't know an awful lot about him. He keeps himself to himself. Um, he discovers he's dying. And in order to break this news to his family, he decides, I'm going to go home for the first time in 12 years, just chill, kick it with my family, get to know them a little for a couple of days, uh, break the news, and then I'll be on my merry. Of course, they don't know that he's dying, so when he turns up, all the old familial angst bubbles to the surface. Uh, his brother, for instance, <clears throat> has issues with abandonment, the, his younger brother having walked out on them. His mother feels that he's intentionally pushing her away. He's never met his sister-in-law, and he finds something of a kinship there. His younger sister, obviously, he has a great relationship with. And it is how these relationships all sort of... How these relationships are reignited, how old tensions come back. And it's a really cleverly put together thing. It comes from a play, and you can tell. It has very much an emphasis on character above all else the performances across the board are great it's nice to see Leia Sadu actually breaking away from type as well so mm. there's not so much of that I am taciturn and somewhat ominous in my in my non-verbal persona none of that she's actually got a character for a change um Marianne Cartier gets to play the sympathetic one and she's really kind of sweet in it. You kind of find her really weirdly lovable. And then, of course, Vinnie Cassell is kind of a nasty, Vinnie Cassell. Kind of a nasty git, really. <laughs> There's no other way to put Shocker. it. But, yeah, it's all on Gaspar Liel, though. I uh, really liked him in this. I've not never quite warmed to him in anything else I've seen him in. Uh, I, I, I think I actually fell asleep during Hannibal Rising the first time I watched it. I just found him so uninspired. And, uh, I never yeah. actually saw... Is, uh, is Reese Evans in that? Yeah, he's the, yeah. the guy who tortured... Uh, Hannibal and, and, and kill his sister. That's, that's the idea. That's how Hannibal Lecter became Hannibal Lecter because tragic back, a requisite tragic origin story. Yeah. Couldn't just be that he was mad. Just had to be something. Oh, had and to then, be something and then he got raced by a ninja. And that's, that's it. That's... Batman was raised by ninjas. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, Hannibal Lecter and Batman. Same origin story. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I will say this, I did I did come away from it thinking, actually, yes, there was really something to that, and I want to see it again. And it's uh, it's a film that doesn't particularly push its luck with the runtime. It's 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 quite nicely compact. It's uh it does make its points very clearly, it knows what it's going for. It's quite obvious that Dolan has somehow connected with this material. There's a visible investment on his part in the things he's doing and you can tell that something about this play has at some point really resonated with him and he, he sees something of himself in it um it does end as well with what I've, i didn't realize until i saw this is my favorite way to end a movie which is the born approach which is you know what fade up the moby slow walk into the sunset that's how we're ending this and it's a moby track too that's the weird thing you wouldn't expect this movie to have a great soundtrack it does it does. does. Does Moby do the whole soundtrack? No, no, no. Moby does, Moby has the end track. It's Natural right. Blues. Natural Blues oh, by right, Moby. Okay. Used yeah. in exactly the same way that Extreme Ways is used in the Bourne series. They do it in Heat as well. They do it in Heat as well? And uh, oh, There's... Man, yeah. What's, what's that? Michael Mann has what's also used Moby. Michael yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. In yeah. Heat. No, no. Oh, Michael yeah. Mann used Moby in Miami Vice. In, uh, he used... Oh. Let's, just, let's just say that a lot of filmmakers are fans of Moby. It seems so. Yeah, um, yeah really good soundtrack all the way through, though. It, genuinely, if you're in an art-housey mood, do check this out. You'll be quite surprised by how well it works. And also, just, just how accessible it is. There's something really gripping about it. And I never thought I would believe uh, Gaspar Uliel and, and Vinnie Cassell as brothers. I do now. 
and uh, I think Vinnie Cassell is... Vinnie Cassell's got one of those faces, hasn't he? He really has. He could just yeah. be everyone's brother. Uh, he just looks like he could be... You could cast him in a movie with Denzel, and he would convincingly play his brother. Yeah, you'd be like, all right, I yeah, can buy that. I'll buy this, I'll buy this. And that is the wonder of Vincent Cassell. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. Ah, and we're back. Was it Vincent Cassell who had the rock star brother? Yeah, whose name is Rusty Squats. That's it! Oh, man, that's uh, Rusty Squats. Okay, before I give you some film news to cover, should we finish the top ten for the week? All right, then. Number five. The Great Wall. It's not The Great is this, Wall. Is this the Donald Trump film? <laughs> that's so, what they're going to call the retrospective one in a few years' time, the yeah. retrospective documentary. about uh, that, you know, that monument we make, when before the, before the world ends, we make yeah. the video that tells the future species how we ended. It'll be called The Great Wall, and it'll start with that. Do you know, do you know an episode of Simpsons where <laughs> Seymour's going to get the mafia to like rebuild the school? Yes. And it's all made of like like popsicle sticks and shellac. Another and one, stuff. yeah. I feel like that's what the wall will be made of. <laughs> well, in the case of this wall, it's made of uh, an intense need for Chinese box office dollars. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and you feel it all the way through. Matt Damon's not particularly bad in it, but he's he's on Elysium form. That, that's the way I'm going to phrase it. He's yeah. on Elysium form. I, I remember when there was loads of photos of him with a ponytail and the internet <laughs> kind of stopped for a minute. And when he was like, oh, I'm doing a film. And everyone was like, what? Yes, he did, didn't he? He did, yeah. he did press for... Well, it might have been The Martian, wasn't it? He was doing yeah, press for and The Martian he had, and, um, yeah, had a ponytail. Yeah, it was, it was kind of like when he was uh, making Elysium and he had no hair. And everyone was like... Everyone was like... What's, what's going on, Matt? What's going on, Matt? Come on. <laughs> Is everything okay? Do we need to talk? Um, yeah, he's he's quite likeable in this. Uh, Pedro Pascal from Game of Thrones, worthy Antonio Banderas-esque sidekick. Red Vapor. Red Vapor. Red Vapor. Red, 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 red Viper. Sorry. I, I was going to say it's, Red Mountain, so you're okay. That's like a blending of the two. A blending of yeah. the two. And that almost happened, I think, with the popping. I think there was a lot... Oh, spoiler. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, too, too many Game of Thrones spoilers there. Uh, I did like The Great Wall um, for what it was, but you had to view it as this sort of cheap and cheerful, although it's not actually cheap, but, you know, morally and ethically cheap and cheerful early 90s spectacle feature. Yeah. It's the kind of thing that has clearly been designed. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the script has been around for 20 years. I would not be surprised at all to find out this script originates in the 90s and has now just been dusted off because someone's found a way we can appeal to Chinese audiences. And you do feel it. Although, it's not bad. I couldn't call it bad. Number four. Sing. We're not doing the Ed Sheeran thing, don't worry. You keep looking at the screen waiting for the Ed Sheeran thing. Uh, I don't really think there's an awful lot left to say on Sing. No, it's it's X Factor with a koala. X Factor with a talking animal cast and celebrity voices. Yeah, that's not a bad bad time, is it? Exactly. Um, To to be honest, it's one of those, if you want a slightly more mature film for the... uh, I, I mean mature by like three years. If you want a film that's about three years more mature for the Alvin and the Chipmunks crowd... Look no further. Yeah. Number three. I'm thinking I'm back. John Wick, chapter two. You loved that, didn't you? I do, and I'm still not seeing it. I'm kind of waiting until I've finished everything I need to do this week, and then I'm going to treat myself to seeing Keanu shoot people in the face. Treat yourself. Treat yeah. yourself. Treat yourself. Okay, so um, credit where it's due with John Wick. Um, it is, as far as Keanu Reeves' action sequels go, it's, uh, it's it's one of the better ones. It does world building a little <laughs> bit better than uh, Matrix Reloaded did. And um, Reloaded? Is Reloaded, yeah. Um, yeah, the, it's the Reloaded Realm Revolutions. Yes, it yeah. is. Um, and then whatever the hell the inevitable fourth one's going to be called, because that's clearly getting rebooted now. If Keanu Reeves is talking about it, He was it, talking about it the other day. Yeah, yeah. But... Um, the problem with John Wick 2 is it, it knows what everyone liked about the first movie, but it doesn't want to just settle there. It doesn't want to give you more of the things you like. It wants to try and expand... 
expand with a lot of world building and a lot of setup for further installments. So, for instance, the Lawrence Fishburne character. That, that to me, I mean, obviously I've not seen it, but that to me is not an inherently bad thing. If we can have a 21st century version of Death Wish with, <laughs> with Keanu Reeves, I'm fine with it that. It is a little bit Iron Man 2, though, in the way that it does it. So it does stop dead at one point for the Lawrence Fishburne character. Wait a so that- you're, you're saying something negative and slightly derogatory about Iron Man. About the second Iron Man. Tony Stark's still in it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, Tony Stark also appears in The Incredible Hulk, and no one has a problem bashing that, so... I'm going to have to take away all of your Tony Stark's branded sunglasses until you start saying <laughs> nicer things about it. Good luck, there's too many of them. Anyway. <laughs> You'll never find them. Um, but yeah, so the Lawrence Fishburne character is entirely there to set up the third film, for example. Yeah. And it it does feel a little bit wearing. You would rather it was an encapsulated storyline like the first one was, but you know what? You do leave the screen with a smile on your face and a bullet in your heart, so... Well, what's not to love? It's more Keanu Reeves gunplay. It's more, you know, bullet-fueled, balletic action. It's it, it, it's gonna satiate you. You will enjoy it, but you won't love it the way that you love the first movie. It's not quite that shot from nowhere that the first one was. Number two. And speaking of a shot from nowhere that nobody really wants, Fifty Shades Darker. Which is just so bad. It's so bad. It makes the cast of Twilight look energetic. That, that, that's what I would genuinely say about it. I they mean, look... have you seen Rob Pattinson recently? I, I haven't, Hans, Handsome beard he has. Oh, I, tell you, I saw him in Lost The Childhood of a Leader. Oh, Last yeah. Year. He was, he was yeah. in there. I thought he was, well, thought he was quite good in there, actually. I like him. I like Rob yeah. Pattinson. But uh, not like Cosmopolis, though. That was dreadful. Oh, my God, but, the limo film. The David Cronenberg David limo Cronenberg movie. One, yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, so, uh, yeah, this is just bad. This is bad panto. It, it's so watery. Oh, no, it isn't. <laughs> It's so watery, it's so pandering, it's so... It's such a victim of behind-the-scenes interference, and interference from its own creator, no less, that you find yourself sitting there... So, like the first one, No, the first one had Sam Taylor... Sam Sam Johnson? Sam Taylor Johnson. Yeah. Had Sam Taylor Johnson, who was clearly trying to make a serious film. And they they famously fell out. They famously fell out. This is E.L. James' husband that's written it. Yeah. And this time you've got James Foley directing it, and his response quite clearly is, I don't want her to yell at me anymore, so I'm just going to do what she asks me to. Which is a shame, because he made Glengarry Glen Ross. I know. This could have just been a sexy Glengarry Glen Ross. Everybody wants that. And you know what? You know what, James Foley? I'm sorry, but no. Cinematic Gravitas is for closers. You are not a closer. Number one. The Lego Batman movie. Which we both love, let's be honest. I mean, I've seen a film... Where gentleman ghost appears, so I can I can die, <laughs> I can die happy now. Condiment King, I've seen Condiment, Condiment King, Man. Condiment King Clive on the big screen. I know, and and the Sphinx and Eggman and all these classic Batman, Batman yeah. yeah, Batman villains that you've forgotten were actually a thing back in the Adam West era, and they yeah, and that's what I like about Lego Batman. It's not ashamed to be on the campier side of Batman, but mm. it's, it's, it's also just as willing to take on the darker stuff, and I quite like that about it. It's found a wonderful middle ground that somehow allows it to also appeal to kids. Yeah. Who'd have thunk it? And it's one of those films where, like, after the sixth or seventh watch, you'll still find things about it. For example, Jason Manzoukas voices uh, the Scarecrow. I did not know and that. And the Riddler, Conan O'Brien. No way. Yeah, go and see it again, son. I did know that uh, uh, Lando Calrissian is Harvey Dent. But yeah, really which just just do. made me so happy inside. <laughs> but no, definitely see the Lego Batman movie. Everything is still awesome in the Lego world, and th- this film finally kind kind of confirms that for you. Yeah. So uh, some film news for me then before we do Southern Fury. Okay, cool. So uh, today is a day of a week uh, ending in Y. It is. So, so what's I... the what done now? <laughs> 
was literally what I was about to say. Really? Yeah. No way. That was what I was about to say. <laughs> what films the rock side of <laughs> Okay, so... <laughs> What's he done? If, if you weren't aware, Rock makes about, what, four films a week? Right? About that now, yeah. Quite a few, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's uh, partnered up with Stephen Merchant, who I love, and they worked together on The Two Fairy. They did, which um, I watched recently. Oh, it's great. It was on ITV2 in the middle <laughs> of the this Sunday. this guy's the best, and some damn fool accused some guy of being the best. Love it. Amazing. Uh, yeah, they've partnered up for a film called Fighting With My Family. Yeah, I do know this one. Yeah, this he, is based he on Page. announced this a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, uh, based on Page of uh, a WWE fighter. Uh, this sounds really, really promising. It does. I'm trying yeah. to know who the cast members are in this now. Oh, man, it's it's great. It's obviously your Isn't man, it? The Rock. Uh, Nick Frost and, and Lena Heedy were playing it. Nick uh, Frost Page's parents. Uh, I'm not sure if Steve Merchant is going to appear I, I would he'll think cameo he'll, he'll cameo. cameo at least yeah, it'll be uh, P.I. Staker from Hot Fuzz <laughs> probably P.I. Staker um, recently uh, Vince Vaughn signed up and apparently he's already started to shoot his scenes have you heard who he's playing uh, no I've not he's playing a washed up former 80s wrestler oh that's amazing I, that's great I want to see him in like full like macho man oh he'll have like the Rand, long Rand, greasy Rand, hair Randy Savage yeah, kind of oh. totally yeah I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what wrestling cameos we get in it as well because that could be quite interesting as am I yeah but uh, this seems to have come together really really quickly like well Rock is appearing yeah. in it because he shot all his scenes in a day yeah which absolutely explains The Rock and to me. I Once believe that his production company is Seven helping bucks, to, yeah. yeah, Seven Bucks Productions helping to finance it as well. But, um, I mean, I'm excited to see Stephen Merchant direct a film again. I don't think he's made one since uh, Cemetery... Cemetery Road? Road is it? Cemetery yeah, Road. Yeah, yeah. Which, Which is quite I good. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And I, I just love Stephen Merchant. Yeah, no, I'll go with that. I did like Cemetery Road very much. Yeah. But, right, yeah. so, uh, Southern Fury. You mean Arsenal? Depending on what country you happen to be in. <laughs> so it had a title change for the UK because they thought we might confuse it with the football club. Yeah, they... <laughs> which which is that's the actual reason. I, I, I want to see that. I yeah. want to see a film about Arsenal starring well, Nick Cage. This is the thing because I was I was talking to the PR guys behind this and I was I was, I was saying to them, well, this is like when they changed the title of Neighbours to Bad Neighbours because they didn't want people to think they were adapting the soap into a film. Begging yeah. the question, where is this audience that's chomping at the bit for a a movie about the Arsenal football club and b a movie adaptation of Neighbours. Other than Kylie Minogue seeking another way to reignite her flailing film career, I can't think of anyone that would be excited by such a prospect. Uh, Although, I, I remember when I was in school, I uh, once got in trouble for singing an alternative version of a Neighbours theme tune, uh, and I got told off. Sorry, I got lost in flashbacks of Holly Valance in the Neighbours era. Yeah, uh, sorry, yeah, yeah, it happens occasionally. It's, yeah. it's my Vietnam. It's just it's like it's like an inverse <laughs> Vietnam. Just, I, I have kiss, pleasant, kiss, you know, I have pleasant memories of Holly Valance instead. That's what it is. Where did she go? So, she Where went. Did you go, Holly? She, in fact, she's in Monte Carlo now. She's married to a billionaire. And good for her. <laughs> genuinely, yes. I think she's married, and her sister is now on Neighbours. I believe. There, there is a younger Valance who's now on, on Neighbours. This is the biggest digression we've ever done in a show that regularly has at least seven digressions. Let's talk episode. about the Eric Roberts Holly Valance starring video game adaptation <laughs> DOA Dead or Alive, which well, I not. paid money to see in 2006 <laughs> and have genuinely watched about four times since. It is the Baywatch of modern cinematic greats. You've seen it five times. I no four. I I've seen it four I, okay. times. And uh, yeah, it, it's awful. But mm. it's so gleefully aware that it's awful that you kind of have to forgive it. And also, Oliver Lance is actually kind of fun in it. 
But anyway, that's enough about DOA. Let's talk about Southern Fury, the latest Which she, she is not in. She's not in. Shame. However, Sir Nicholas of Cages. Of course he is. Right, okay, so this is the latest from Stephen C. Miller, rising lower-level action director as he is. Um, this, sees, this sees two brothers codependent on one another, Adrian Grenier and Jonathan Skeet, both of whom starred in the previous uh, previous Jonathan uh, Stephen C. Miller movie Marauders, which is incidentally infinitely better than this. Um, basically, Jonathan Skeet's character is a sort of down and out. He's down his look. He's indebted to uh, Nicholas Cage's mobster character. He's trying to sell a large amount of drugs on the side. His brother is trying to get him... Uh, his brother is trying to get him on the straight and narrow. Nicholas Cage then kidnaps Jonathan Skeech, holds the holds uh, Adrian Grenier to ransom and says, uh, bring us 300k or we're going to off Jonathan Skeech. Now, in the real world, Jonathan Skeech gets paid so little for these kind of films that 300 grand would actually seem like you know, a really unfair deal. You'd see if you could bargain that down to about 30 tops. But this is the world of fiction, so Adrian Grenier tries to go out and get 300 grand. As as assistance, he has John Cusack, who is a bandana-wearing, permanently-sunglassed police officer. And the pair go out to try and uh, recover the money to basically get him back. It's, it's, it's really bad. Here's a clip of Nicolas Cage, and I'll describe, it, I'll describe him to you after you've heard it. Oh, it's new. What are you working at these days? In between jobs. <laughs> Sounds like me talking to the IRS. <laughs> <laughs> so what's it been, six, maybe eight years? Did you owe me some money? <laughs> Didn't you, though? Yeah, you did owe me some money. You were supposed to come through on something for me right around the time you quit. I think we're even. Oh, you think we're even, you and I? What'd you ever do for me? I did everything for you. You want me to make lists? I got your job. I got you laid when you were 14. In my first line at 15, that was a great habit. Academy Award winner, Nicholas, Nicholas Cage. Cage. Yeah, believe me, that thought rings through your mind every minute of this film. So Nicholas Cage, for some reason that no one can can expl- adequately explain, I mean, this is one of those where scientists are going to be analysing this film for decades to come, just to try and get to the bottom of just what the hell was going on. Nicholas Cage is dressed as Tony Clifton. It makes no sense, but he's dressed as Tony Clifton. He's got this ridiculous Cyrano de Bergerac nose. I thought you like this, because I don't know why. All the Southern Fury is contained entirely within the mind of Nicolas Cage in mm. this film. Um, Jonathan Skeech is delivering that same phoned-in thing that he's been doing for years now, because he still can't seem to believe that he was ever cast in that thing you do. Um, Adrian Grenier seems to actually believe that the fictional films that his entourage character was in are some sort of artistic pinnacle, and is therefore aiming for nothing higher. John Cusack, I have no earthly explanation for in this, and it's kind of fitting that both Conor actors are back and on such low form of an equal level. Um, as for Stephen Miller, he is asleep at the wheel for most of this. He's tried to shoot it all as if it's actually shot through a bottle of bourbon. So the entire thing is bleached out yellow. Um, it's got no... <laughs> Works as Stephen Soderbergh. Yeah, exactly. It's got no real flair, save for a little bit at the beginning, uh, a beating sequence in the second act, and then this just rushed action finale that has a lot of shotgun blast in slow motion. The whole thing is really dissatisfying, it's really dull, it's poorly written, it's poorly acted, it's poorly edited, it's poorly shot. <clears throat> you liked it, man. It's a genuinely poor film, and the only fury that you'll genuinely feel is when you are leaving the screen thinking, oh god, oh god, oh god, why have I sat through 99 minutes of that? Oh god, oh god, why? Did you count how many minutes it was while you were watching it? Well, no, they give us press notes, they're written on the... 
the, the press notes beforehand. So we usually know how long we're going to suffer. Wow. How, how the other half lives. <laughs> exactly. Although I can tell you the next film we're going to review is two and a half hours long. Oh. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. So, final film to review this week. So you might as well yeah. give me some news then to, to tell us over what we got. You want to have some news now? I'll give you some news right now, son. Tease me with some news, Mr. Allen. Tease you, tease you. Um, oh my, it's just, it's just too much. There's too much to choose. <laughs> the, let's talk about this, because this is... This kind of warmed my heart a little bit, even though I don't particularly love the film. Okay. So... Of sorts, we're getting a Love Actually sequel. Yes, we are, aren't we? Yeah. yeah. Um, but not as we know it. Basically, it's going to be a ten minute long short. It's Love Jim, but not as we know it. It's the... Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Damn it, Jim. Sorry. It's all right. Derailed by a, by a Bones reference. Exactly. Yeah, um, Yeah. it's going to be a ten minute long uh, Red Nose Day special. Yeah, uh, With this. most of the cast returning. Uh, Richard Curtis is going to be uh, writing and directing. We're actually making it right now. Mm. Uh, he says about two thirds of the cast are going to be back. Well, I mean, obviously, Alan Rickman's no longer with us, sadly. sadly so, yeah. uh, but I, Emma Thompson hasn't been confirmed as a uh, Emma Thompson is not going to be there, he said. Uh, yeah. Which, I, I suppose, without Alan Rickman, that's probably for the best. True. And also, she's always, like, exceptionally busy as well. She's, she does She seems to, like, fun. always be working she has things on the go absolutely uh, and and it's great because she is great she's um, keeping an eye on the filming of uh, of uh, mary poppins returns that's what she's doing she's waiting for a call she's waiting for a call of that she's waiting for how she's not going to be in that film <laughs> come on man. i say they just have a background role for pam travers and it's and it's yeah. Emma thompson totally just, just like just some yeah. some kind of some kind of walk ginty ginty the lady ginty <laughs> Um, yeah, but that should be pretty good. So yeah. uh, I believe that Red Nose Day is the 24th of March? Something like that. I know it's Something filming like now. It's but... filming now, so it'll be ready in a couple of weeks. But uh, we're getting uh, Ron Atkinson back, we're getting uh, Hugh Grant back, we're getting Colin Firth back. Nice. Martin McCutcheon, because we all wonder where she went for 15 years. Uh, I, think, I think she's been sleeping on Dale Winton's couch, to be honest. I think that's probably it. I feel like you have trackers in, like, in the heads of all these like ladies from the early 2000s. It's like I Oliver Lance is in Milan or somewhere. I always had a huge thing for Martin McCutcheon. I always liked I always get really annoyed whenever I watch it at Christmas and the Prime Minister's secretary says that she's got big thighs. And I'm like, she doesn't. She's not fat. She's perfect. She's lovely. She's <laughs> I really never nice. thought that that was the joke. I really didn't. I, that that joke really confused me. She's, she's not at all. She's great. But uh, yeah, so honestly, let's uh, move on to uh, Cure for Wellness. Yeah, from Love Actually to Cure for Wellness, which is. What a segue! Right, okay. What a segue, Mark. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to be very tactful with how I, how I review this one because I, yeah. I, I want the, the, the impact to, to really hit you. Yeah. Right. So try not to spoil too much because I'm gonna see it at some point soon. Okay. Uh, Dane DeHaan is a young, young, power hungry upstart, a corporate shill, as it were, who is sent to a goblin. Yeah. Kind of like that. In fact, he does play an awful lot of his uh, Harry Osborn role in this. Yeah. Um, who is sent to a remote clinic in a very uh, a mysterious clinic in the remote Swiss Alps to bring back his uh, his boss, his CEO, who has basically absconded and has set himself up for treatment there. The idea is that his company is about to have this big merger. It's going to become the, one of the biggest things in the world. There are some financial irregularities. They need the mental case boss to come back so that they can basically pin, all, pin it all on him. Hmm. Boss, by the way, is played by Harry Groner from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Anyway, so... Dane DeHaan goes, goes to the clinic. He discovers, actually, it's more like a fancy spa. 
And this treatment that everyone's having to get past the stresses of everyday life is water from the springs that this facility is built on that seems to have this sort of rejuvenating power. Mm. However, all is not quite as, quite as it seems. The doctor who runs the facility, not. who's played by Jason Isaacs, because why the hell not? And Jason Isaacs with just the greatest villainous German voice you've ever heard. Honestly, he's, he's a masterpiece in this. Um, <laughs> he is getting somewhat cagey. He find, he, he doesn't respond well to Dane DeHaan asking too many questions. Soon enough, wouldn't you know it, Dane DeHaan has a car accident and finds himself almost an unwitting patient of this facility, a facility that raises more questions than it answers. We have a clip. Did it hurt? Can't remember. Better that way. I saw you before. You a patient here? She's just so much younger than everyone else. Director Volma says I'm a special case. What about you? Are you here for the cure? Actually, I was just leaving. No one ever leaves. Right, Dane DeHaan there with Mia Goth. Now, I'm trying to think... Like, I'm, I'm going to go with this. First of all, it's great. Genuinely, you wouldn't believe it. This film is so much better than you've been led to believe. Here's how I'm going to pitch it to you, Case. Emo Shutter Island. I'm on board. Yeah. yeah. Emo Shutter Island from the director of the Pirates of the Caribbean trilogy, who seems to have basically gone out on a mission to make a dialogue-filled music video for My Chemical Romance. Yeah, like, Dan DeHaan always looks like one of those guys who constantly is listening to bands like Hawthorne Heights and Finch yeah. from, like, the early 2000s. Yeah, you feel it in this film. Yeah. This is going to, this is one of those films that is going to be remembered. It, I don't know, I don't think it'll make an awful lot of money, but it's going to be remembered. It's going to be remembered in the way that, for instance, films like American Psycho are remembered. And, and I genuinely think it's got that cult appeal, that really satiating cult appeal that he's going to see it actually have something of a legacy. This is going to be huge when it hits DVD. That's really high price. It really is. I genuinely think this is going to be huge when it hits DVD. Now, as far as Gore Verbinski's work goes, he's trying for Scorsese, he's trying for Sam Raimi, he's tr- even trying at times for Sucker Punch. And it's just brilliant. This is... I, I know, I know. He, he's he's trying all these weird and wacky things. Never before has anyone mentioned those three things within the same breath. I know. It's weird, isn't it? Put it this way. This film <laughs> this film is to Sucker Punch. This film is to Shutter Island what Sucker Punch is to anime. That's that's the best way to call it. Right. It, it, you can tell the influence. The fact that Dane DeHaan looks an awful lot like DiCaprio and behaves an awful lot like DiCaprio doesn't help matters, to be honest. It is a, it's damning praise to compare it to Shutter Island, and yet it's good for exactly the same reasons that Shutter Island is. Mm. I and like Shutter Island a great deal. It's one of those films, I think, to grow and not a shower, it's one of those films you you love more in hindsight than when you actually watched it for the first time. I loved time. it more, like, the third time I yeah. saw it. I, I have yeah. the very same thing with it. Uh Check this out. It's it's just so good. You just don't expect it. I mean, if if this is the first you're hearing of the film, don't watch any trailers. Don't watch any marketing. Don't yeah, read any in, further reviews. Go in blind. Go in based purely off this that I'm saying now, and you're probably going to be blown away by this. this. Is really something. It is a it's a tad over long. It's two and a half hours. There is probably a good twenty minutes that you could That's waddle numbing. down. 
Yeah. yeah. But it's so mystifying and it's so ominous and it has such a, a weirdly ethereal sensibility to it that you think, actually, I'm kind of, I'm in this. I don't mind the runtime. And that is why I'm giving it Film of the Week. So there you oh. go. Oh. Yeah. There you go. It's Film of the Week. I didn't mean my round of applause to sound condescending. It sounded quite patronising. I feel like whenever it's just one person, just... <laughs> That golfing clap. Get a cl- get a clip. Get a clip of a round of applause. I think we should, we should do um, that. For future. that. That golf clap, by the way, is what Wilson and I do <laughs> in films when they use the title as dialogue in the film. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah. We do we do a golfing clap. So yeah. So it's well, GI Joe. It's time for some retaliation. You're like, oh, that was on last night, and I it did was. not watch it because I don't like it. <laughs> for yeah. shame. But yeah, I know exactly what I mean. It's like a hot tub time machine <laughs> gag. When a quick pops, just like it looks it's like it's like we're in some kind of hot, hot tub, tub time, time machine. machine. All my personal favourites, like your astronauts, on some kind of Star Trek. <laughs> and <laughs> what have we got next week? So next week, well, I think we all know what the biggie is next week. The man with the knife hands is back, and I don't mean Freddy. I do, however, Edward. mean not Edward either. Clever, this is, this clever. Is uh, yes, James Howlett is back. Logan is here, and uh, I can't wait. I, do you know what? I've seen it, and I can, I can, I can tantalise you by saying, actually, it's probably in line with what you're hoping. Good. It's mostly in line with what you're hoping, so I think you going to be okay. <laughs> uh, we also have Trespass Against Us with Brendan Gleeson and Michael Fassbender. Fassbender yeah. That's a hell of a cast, isn't it? Mm. That's going to be great. Uh, the Student is next week as well. Uh, the Viceroy's House with Hugh Bonneville and Gillian Anderson. That's yeah. next week. Uh, Certain Women is next week. Headshot is next week. But you know what? None of these matter because you know what else is next week, Case? It's a film you and I have been dying to see. The film we've been chomping at the beer, sat on the edge of our seat, waiting to see. It is the greatest matchup since Ali and uh, Ali and, and Foreman, since Batman and Superman. It is. The Rock versus Cabronjane Wallace. Well, yeah, I mean, now you put it that way. I've ruined it then, haven't I? No, you, you, you killed that. That's it. I, I now just want to see. I want to see a little girl beat up The Rock. That's all I want to see. That's all I want. Maybe we'll see that in fight. <gasps> the Game Plan 2. Oh, God. oh, man, that's a Game Plan sequel right there. Why don't we work for studios? I don't Probably know. Probably because we say things like that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so can we just talk about Fist Fight then? Hype Fist Fight up. Cause yeah. Ice Cube, Charlie, Charlie Day, Day, Fist Fight. Christina Hendricks. Gillian Bell. God. And of course, Tracy Morgan. Our man Tracy Morgan. Oh man, <laughs> I'm a Jedi. I'm a Jedi. <laughs> I am a stabbing robot. <laughs> Werewolf <laughs> by Mitzvah. <laughs> oh man. Anyway, don't now you watch Thirty Rock now. Yeah. So yeah. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. Uh, this has been Candy Store Production for On Screen. I've been Van Connor. I've been as always Case on And we'll be back. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Off Screen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, Podcast extras, Van Van. Always fun. So, uh, yeah. give me some film news. Start us off then, Mr. Allen. So much film news. Because we didn't really do that many pieces last week, so I've got some holdovers from last week. Well, exactly, we had no podcast extras last week. Yeah, so, so uh, let's talk some pieces of casting. Um, okay. So... I'll move on from something we did last week. Um, I was talking about uh, Jurassic World 2. Yeah. Uh, Ted, Le- uh, Ted Levine. 
Yeah. Buffalo Bill him very self. Remember this? Oh, I know what you're going to talk about as well. Uh, so now uh, James Cromwell has joined you mean, Jurassic You mean also. the man who came out with that line in Star Trek First Contact, that we're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek? Yeah. <laughs> Almost as if, we thought, if we thought of this earlier, it could exactly. have been a brilliant segue, Exactly. Uh, yeah. Rolo Tomasi himself. That yeah. is a massive spoiler, but too bad you've had 20, <laughs> 26 years or whatever. Or? Wasn't he Oscar nominated for a supporting role in Babe the Gallant Pig? Yes, he was, but he's his only Oscar nomination. Which is bizarre to me, because... How on earth? It's a, it's a great performance. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, I mean, Babe is lovable, and he is not like up upstage he's the by Babe. Grumpy farmer. Okay, fair enough. He, so he, he plays it well. He's joined Jurassic World too. By any chance, is he going to be a not corrupt a, not businessman? As a Possibly. He's got to be. Unless he's just he's going to be the farmer from Babe. I, Shared I, universe. I kind of always think of him now as Philip Bauer, Jack Bauer's evil father. Um, right. Yeah, and I kind of wish I couldn't because that was a terrible season of Twenty Four. <laughs> is he in the whole season, or is yeah. he just right? He's the villain of the season. Ah, I see. It's one of those where yeah. they were trying to make it mysterious as to who the villain was, and he's like, I can. Blatantly he's he's kind tell. of one of those actors where he'll show up in like every like kind of iconic show for the last twenty years for like yeah. a couple of episodes. Like he's in he's in the West Wing for one episode as like an older president. Didn't he play Prince Philip in something? Uh, yeah, the Queen. Is it in the, in the Queen he played for? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Not the Crown. Was, not the Crown. Uh, Matt Smith, and really, really good. I've not seen any of the Crown yet. <laughs> which is weird, because I've, I've been to a replica of the set from the Crown. It's Ace. And oh, of course, with Netflix. The yeah. Netflix Christmas Party, they, they built a bit of the, the set from the Crown. They also built a bit from, uh, Narcos, which I've never watched either. I've not. Uh, I feel like after watching Logan, I'm gonna want to I did, I did get to sit in the living room from Stranger Things, though, so I was quite oh, happy about good. it. And, gets even did, better. Did the, did the lights come on? Yeah, they had the lights, and yeah. they had people behind the scenes sort of moving the moving through the wall, like arms through the oh, wall. That, things. that is amazing. It was, was kind of cool. That's cool. <laughs> but, uh, also from last week, go on. I told you that the Batman has a director. It doesn't anymore, does it? No, it does not. <laughs> so, what the f- Batman. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. Matt Reeves, who came and went in what seemed to be the space of an afternoon, I think. Yeah, which is a shame, because it, it was kind of, it was all but confirmed, wasn't it? It was. It was going to be yeah, uh, Matt he, Reeves. He seemed and... like a pretty, pretty great choice. Like, really solid with material like that, and you, I know. Do you don't do, do you agree? Do you not? Well, no. I keep looking at uh, the, uh, the the DC EU as it's called because they've just signed David F. Sandberg for uh, yeah. Shazam. Yeah. So uh, he directed uh, Lights Out. Yeah, and he, they're getting him yeah. for Shazam. The problem I've got here is I didn't mind. I didn't it mind really does out. seem. I, I I do think we're on a countdown now. We are on a countdown, and none of us know when that zero time comes because when the zero hour comes, Ben Affleck will quit, and I kind of feel like. When Justice League opens this year, and it's a god-awful... Sorry, when Wonder Woman opens this year, and it's a god-awful mess that everyone hates, and then Justice League opens, and it's a god-awful mess that everyone hates... See, I don't think people are going to hate Wonder Woman, but I don't think many people are going to like it. I feel like they're going to say it's the best of the... How many have we had so far? Including Man of Steel, we've had three. We've had three, we've had three, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be the best of the four. I think when you get to five of these films, and not one you can call critically well-received. I think there's going to come a point when Ben Affleck just says, right, I'm out of here, and he's done. And you know when that happens? This is all going to basically have to be acknowledged as the grand mess that some of us are already calling it. This Which whole... is a shame when you think about some of the talent that, it is. that is involved. And we, we don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. We don't know really why Matt Reeves left talks. It just, it's one of those weird things that's kind of come out of left field because it seemed like a really good choice. I'm willing and to bet. Who, who turns down Batman? Apart from exactly. Ben Affleck to but direct it. Just, just think about that for a second, yeah. right? 
turned down Batman days into... I'm willing to bet you now that what actually happened is they got him into a meeting room, they told him what they wanted, and his response was, oh, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'll uh, I'll wait for Apes 4. Cause, Thanks. Yeah, because he's, he's generally a filmmaker who likes to either bring in his own team or he'll rewrite a script himself or... No. Start from scratch, and um, it could be anything. It could be he's, uh, he's not averse to taking on genre and another well, franchise. It could obviously. be a creative control thing with Ben Affleck. We don't know that. Possibly, so yeah. Maybe we Ben Affleck know. doesn't want to direct, but he know. still wants to call the shots. Yeah. You know, could be anything. Hey, let's hop over friends. Let's talk about Marvel for a bit because I feel like you're about to bust an embolism. Yeah, I always feel more positive when we talk about Marvel because at least I know some good things are going to come. Oh, 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 Marvel, Marvel. Hang on, I got one for you, Marvel, uh, because it ties into Stranger Things. Go on. Millie Bobby Brown from Stranger Things mm. has been on the Avengers Infinity War set. Yes, she has. No one knows why. No. And that fascinates me. It fascinates me because she's also working with Warner Brothers because she's yep. going to be in Godzilla. And her dad in Godzilla is Kyle Chandler. He's going to be Kyle Chandler. That's brilliant. Who should be everyone's dad. You think? Yeah. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. I've been saying that since he was, well, to be fair, since uh, Friday Night, uh, Night, Night Lights. Yeah, and then so. uh, uh, Super 8. Which I I think is really really underrated. You're you're a fan of Super Eight. I've really enjoyed it. It never really did it for me. I've got a Star Wars style Super Eight poster <laughs> that I got from work years ago. Well, really Super Eight was Stranger Things before there were Stranger Things, wasn't it? Essentially, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a Spielbergian love letter. Yeah, but you know what? Yeah. We, we have Stranger Things now, so we never need to think about Super Eight again. That's it. But you know what? That wasn't my Marvel news. My Marvel news concerns Ant Man and the Wasp. Oh, yes. What yeah, is this? Um, so that is going to be starting shooting this summer, because right it now is. they're shooting um, uh, Infinity War, as you just said. Of they're course. shooting uh, Black Panther. They're basically having, like, many films on, on, the, on yeah. the cooker. They, 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 they've got a lot on the hob. Yeah, because, the because now we're moving into a year where we're having, for the first time, three Marvel films. It's true, isn't it? Year. This year. Exciting. Uh, Michael Douglas has confirmed that he'll be back as Hank Pym. Now, this is weird to me, because this got reported, and I looked at it and thought, actually, that, that's not news, because he'd already confirmed it last year. He kind of semi-confirmed it. He semi-confirmed it, and now he's confirmed it's, it. it. It's official now, because yeah, he's now it's, signed it's a just, contract. It's now official. I yeah. think it's now officially news, because he wasn't signed up to one of his infamous Marvel, like, mm, five the picture boiler plate agreements. The boilerplate, yeah, yeah. It, it was a, it was kind of like a one-and-done thing, so it wasn't wasn't absolutely kind of guaranteed he was going to be back, but I it seemed feel to have a, like a really good time when he was on set. I feel like, actually, the fact that Michael Douglas only signed a contract for one film was quite deliberate, because there was a lot of anticipation in the in the run-up to Ant-Man that the Hank Pym was actually going to turn out to be the villain. There was that expectation. I don't know if you remember There was this. that, yeah. It was, it was widely expected that... Uh, because somewhere along exactly the line, check had passed in, in in the books. Well, somewhere along the line, the fact that the pin particles caused mental instability came up mm. in in the pre-release. It actually came up, and that that was why you had to have the Ant Man helmet, and that's why that's probably uh, the, yeah. That was the idea that it was going to be that Hank Pym had gone nuts over time, and he was well, going well, to be. Well, it's He's also Yellow Jacket, and Yellow Jacket is obviously. Yeah. And that was the, it. The, the bad guy. But that's kind of not exactly how it played out. I'm glad it played out. I'm glad it played out as straightforward. The yeah. fact that it was as straightforward as it was, was the surprise. Yeah. And I think Corey Stoll was a really good bad guy for what there was. Oh, I, yeah. don't, I don't think you need... I like Corey You Stoll. don't need Loki every time. <laughs> I know that Marvel have got this quote-unquote villain problem, but <sighs> stop looking at it like a big picture. Look at it as individual films. Yes. Yeah. Like, every time I get pissed off with you when you'd be just like, Doctor Strange is great, it's maybe not in the top five. <laughs> like, take it for what it is. I think it was the best Doctor Strange film that they could have made at that it was, time. As, as Alan Frank is wont to say, it was the best film of its titles I've seen all week. <laughs> and, and, that yeah. is 
the faintest of praises. That, that is something Alan will say an awful lot. Um, <laughs> but yeah, speaking of uh, Avengers Infinity War, um, yeah, they've now started shooting it, as you said. They have, haven't they? Because they, they put out uh, like a, a, a sizzle. They put out a behind-the-scenes... Yeah, concept teaser video trailer. We something like that. Wasn't yeah, it? Uh, that confirms that we're going to be seeing Guardians, or at least Star Wars and Spider Man. They've answered that one, haven't they? Yeah. Which I'm did you ever think you were going to live long enough to see that? Uh, I never in a million years did. I th- mind you, having said that, I never in a million years thought I would see Civil War turned into a movie, and I suppose I kind of have. I've kind of seen it done. But I've seen a movie loosely based on Civil War, oh, and I'm happy. I'm happy with that. Are you happy because you don't sound happy? <laughs> no, no, no. It's as close. No, it, it's as close as we're going to get. And it's far closer than I ever thought we'd get. Yeah, but because you, you could never, you could never do the actual comic book as a movie. And I, don't, I don't think it would have worked. Too many things are owned by too many different companies. Well, it's not just uh, that. It's not just all the rights issues. I just think there's too much going on, and I feel like they did it in the right way. There's also the for, problem that to, accurate, to accurately do a Civil War movie and do the property justice, it would have to be nine hours long, and an hour and a half of that would follow the thing to Paris. Exactly, and it's already fairly long. Yeah, a th- you'd have to follow the thing to Paris, you'd have to kill off John Favreau, you'd have to... There's loads of things that would have to happen. Nobody wants to kill off... No one wants to kill off John... Hogan? I think he gets pushed Hogan? off... A, I think he gets pushed off a walkway. I think that's what happens. That's not a way to go. No. I want to imagine, like, if he does ever die, it's because he's... It's just going to be, like, of old age, and he's going to be watching Downton Abbey reruns in his bed. And he's married to Pepper at that point as well. So... Really? Yeah. <laughs> happy Hogan. Happy Hogan. Very happy Hogan. Yeah, very happy Hogan. Yeah. But um, uh, that, that's how they consciously uncoupled. He got pushed off a walkway. <laughs> His last words were goop. <laughs> consciously down. uncoupled from gravity. Yeah. But yeah. Um, let's stick with Marvel, but not the MCU. Um, so this kind of came out of nowhere last week. Mm. So Sophie Turner, who plays. Uh, 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 Sansa Stark, yeah. Sansa Stark in the Game of Thrones, yeah, and is in X Men Apocalypse as uh, young Genie uh, Gray. Genie Gray yep. uh, said that they're planning to shoot a, a new X Men film this year, and everyone was like, "All right, so it's going to be did like hear, New Mutants then or something." Did I hear X Men Supernova? Yes, you did. Hmm. Which what? Yeah, I don't, exactly. I don't really know who was kind of calling out for that after Apocalypse. Like, I, I really uh, hope that like that was it for that kind of era, and then we were going to go to New Mutants. Or I, I thought the thing we were that Josh Boone is, yeah. is doing. I thought we were done, and I kind of, yeah. you know, I, I like the idea of spinoffs, and I like the fact that we could just keep James McAvoy as as your anchor character at different points in history. Well, that's the interesting thing because he posted a picture of himself having lunch or dinner, some some kind of meal mm-hmm. uh, with uh, with Simon Kinberg. Ah, uh, I've seen a picture of him with Sir Pat Stu as well. Yeah, it's kind of like a merge one. So, so Patrick is there, Sam Kinberg is there, mm. and now Sam Kinberg is being linked to uh, writing the film and also directing it. Yeah, making his debut because yeah. he's written basically everything else that's big in the last couple of years. Absolutely, and he's he's known primarily more as a producer, and uh, he's not without controversy because he was behind Fantastic Four, but then he was also linked <laughs> to uh, Force Awakens. So yeah. Swings around about, isn't it? Really? Yeah, there's that, there's that. Yeah, um, but um, yeah, it's apparently going to be called X Men Supernova. I don't know how excited I am for it, really, because I would rather. I don't know if if it's going to be the Dark Phoenix mm-hmm. storyline. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, right. I don't know. I'm kind of half and half on that one. But uh, well, we sort of semi tried it. They kind of did. did, and now uh, that has been fully retconned. Yeah, thanks for that, Brett Ratner. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, <laughs> so I have a bit of Marvel news actually for you, and it relates to Logan. And uh, so, as you may know. Logan obviously has screened this past week. Um, yeah. The embargo has dropped on Logan, I think it's 10 days in advance. That's so, fair enough, but not my embargo. 
No, 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 that's fine. But that's obviously there are reviews out there. Um, to my knowledge, there's been two press shows in the UK of of Logan. Now, I attended the second. That was Monday night. And I believe there was one uh, in the evening. I think it might have been Thursday or Friday the week before. Funny story. In the time between that first screening and now, Fox went and adjusted the running time of Logan. Hmm. They added three minutes to it. Now, I went to the second... This happened, I think, over the weekend. They announced there is now a post-credits thing. It wasn't on the press print. It's now been added. So, of course, I then had my screening and thought, well, I've got to stick around and check. It wasn't on the version that I saw. There is apparently a post-credits scene. And the rumours for this vary wildly. Because, I mean, there's the popular rumour that it's... There's a popular rumour that Ryan Reynolds is turning up as Deadpool. Yeah, which has kind of been debunked. Kind of been debunked. There's another rumour... to say... I don't want to know anything about yeah. it. There's another rumour that it's maybe setting up for more Wolverine, which is kind of weird, because... This is supposedly his last Yeah, supposedly his last, his last turn. Um, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued. And don't get me wrong, I, I say I saw Logan. I liked it enough to want to go and see it again. I think just for this post-credits thing, I'd want to know, I'd want to be... I'm a completist. I have to know mm. how that's ending. So, yeah, there's going to be a post-credits thing. Stick around afterwards. And that's been the case, though, for the last three X-Men films, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like people would just be doing last that anyway. Last three plus Deadpool. Even if there wasn't some kind of, yeah. like, big announcement about it. But I it. think there is. I will confirm that. <laughs> I no, will um, find out. It's, it's been said that there is going to be yeah. one. But, um, I mean, obviously this isn't MCU, but MCU tend to do that as well. Whenever they have, like, sort of pre-screenings and stuff, they leave out the post-credits. Oh, yeah. And yeah, they, they yeah, put that yeah. out for the general public, which is nice and it's good. Well, famously, Iron Man, uh, the very first Iron Man, got put out without its post-credit sequence oh. to the press. Don't tell me what it is. I don't want to spoil it. film must mean out. I went to... I went to... <laughs> uh, I went to a preview screening, like a public preview of the mm. first Iron Man film, and it didn't have it on there. Oh, yeah. I went back 12 hours later to an actual regular non-preview screening and the credit sequence was on there. I was very, very drunk by the time I saw the second screening. And, uh, yeah. For the post-credits is the first time you see uh, Sam Jackson. It is, Fear, yeah. is it not? Yeah. I'm here to talk to you about the Avengers Initiative. Boom. Everyone wow. goes mad. But, uh, yeah, I, I also still want to know to this day how Nick Fury knows how to turn Jarvis off, but uh, never really explained. He's got a secret code under his eye patch. <laughs> secret code. Yeah. Mind you, then again, doesn't uh, Phil Coulson has a handprint for some reason in the tone, in the Stark s- server that he could literally just press his entire hand to the glass and shut a building down. Yeah. But uh, these things don't warrant explanation. Let's talk about Sweet Dreams, then. Yeah, I've heard they are made of cheese. <laughs> Who am I to disagree? <laughs> Who am I um, to disagree? <laughs> <laughs> right, so uh, latest film from Marco Belluccio. It's a French-Italian production, and it's basically... This is the story of uh, Massimo who we see as a child and then we see as an adult. And it's a very non-linear film. It hops all around the place. For the most part, we get Massimo in his adult years. It's played by Valerio... Oh, what's his surname? Uh, Mastandria. He's, he has... Um, basically, he has issues relating to having lost his mother at an early age. He's grown up to become a journalist and he's had this kind of storied life as a journalist. And in his adult years, he's struggling to function. He strikes up a relationship with a, a young uh, nurse, uh, not young nurse, sorry, a young psychiatrist played by Berenice Bayo. Bayo? Bejo? How do I say her name? Oh, the Berenice? French lady from the artist. Yeah, uh, Berenice Bejo. She's Argentinian, actually. But oh, is she? She's Argentinian. There you go. You sneaky artist. <laughs> Isn't she married to Michael, the director of the artist? What's his surname? He's got a really crazy surname. Oh, I like, don't has a. Venice, she should be. I. I 
Oh, do you know I didn't know and I don't anymore. Let's say Bernice Bigeau. Yeah, okay. So Bernice Bigeau. Um, yeah, most of us think of her as the as the the French uh, Rachel McAdams. It's actually the Argentinian Rachel McAdams, but still. But uh, yeah, um, so he strikes up a relationship with the psychiatrist played by uh, Bernice Bigeau, and this is it. It's a drama about sort of overcoming these things, and it's not great. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I've got to be honest. It's not great. It's quite slow. Um, it has serious fundamental issues as regards its performance, as its casting. It's over long at two and a quarter hours. I mean, it's two hours 14. It does feel it. It's nicely shot by Bellaccio. But the problem at the centre of it all is is Valeria Mastandria. He just simply he plays at such a low-energy kind of performance that it's very very difficult to buy his character as a a journalist and b one that's had the career he has because his character seems like he's the kind who wouldn't ask a single question to anyone ever lest anyone notice him Mm. but it just doesn't quite work having said that Berenice Bajot lights the whole thing up. She's only got a very, very small role. She's billed as a, a name on the poster star, but she's got a very small role. And she can absolutely light this film up. Yeah, she's, she's a really good actress. I like her yeah, a lot. But uh, the problem is the film simply isn't any good. And there will be no sweet dreams of this one. Let's put it that way. Just not an awful lot going for it. I mean, I can't... You, you obviously don't seem to be uh, terribly excited to see it, I don't imagine. Um, I mean, this is about as excited as I get for anything nowadays. 2017. <laughs> Nobody tells me nothing. 27. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. But uh, no, I don't know. News, news me, Mr. Allen. News me. News you. Um, news me. I'm going to stick with superheroes just because we all like to talk about There's it. There's loads of superheroes all the time. Go on. I mean, this is the weirdest news I think we've had so far this year. Um, Gerard so- Butler is joining the X Men. Oh my God, I would love that. Who would he play? <laughs> Wolverine, clearly. <laughs> No, they're I don't want to do a new Wolverine. I feel- they're going to have to do a younger Wolverine at some point. So, no, no I, want, I want Beast to have like a Scottish cousin. <laughs> McBeast. <laughs> Hang on. He's already McCoy. He's already yeah. Hank McCoy. He's exactly. Scottish. So you've, 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 you've got, you've got the Scott, yeah. Scottish uh, lineage. Uh, uh, anyway, um, yeah, this was bizarre, wasn't it? So um, Mel Gibson is currently still, <laughs> can you believe it, in talks to direct the Suicide Squad sequel. And do you know the reason? And I'm, I'm, I'm sure on the first of April we're going to be told this is a massive prank. Right. Apparently, Mel Gibson has said the characters really intrigue him. That's fair enough. And the cast really intrigues. And him. the cast really intrigues him. Which, yeah, as Cal- Calvin brilliantly pointed out to me, canonically, Harleen Quinzel is Jewish. But that's neither here nor there. We're just going to leave that information out there and let you think of it what you will. Um, I'm just saying, don't don't jeopardise this comeback, Mel. Come on, you worked hard for this. Hacksaw Ridge is a goddamn masterpiece. And I, I never thought he this. would be nominated for Best of Exactly. You got, you got an Oscar well, nom again. so good. Yeah, he's deserved it. Don't ruin this, Mel. Don't ruin it. Just ride this out. Take mm. a better project. Ride it out. Don't get lumbered in with this, this DC thing. Although, Mel Gibson has such an established pattern with Warner Brothers. I mean, he has, yeah. You look at his, the, the biggest films of his career, obviously, the Lethal Weapon ones. That's Warner Brothers. Mm. You know, I think Man with a Two Face, uh, uh, Man Without a Face, that was Warner Brothers, I think. Yeah, um, that's not an essential, that's not a, that's yeah. not a massive his, film. Obviously. His comeback film, well, that was his directorial debut, though. His that's comeback one, yeah. film, Bloodfather, that was Warner that Brothers. That was Warner's, yeah. Yeah. I just, so he's, he's got that link there. He's currently mm. saying that the talks are akin to, like, a first date, <laughs> is what he said, which is. Which is nice. Oh man, I want to know what a first date with Mel Gibson would play like. Does he just pound booze and slap you on the I think ass? So. <laughs> so. Um, I can't. I can't Call s- me sugar. T- I can't see this coming to fruition, but I'm glad to know that weird things like this can still happen in the it's, world. Yeah, it's nice to have news that you just think, huh? 
<laughs> right. Yeah, oh, that will never enough. happen. And if it does happen, why? Yeah. Why is it happening? Absolutely fair enough. But it's it's good to have like intriguing meetings going on and stuff. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we shall we shall see. Anyway, um, but yeah, some talks that have not worked out. Um, Will Smith was going to be in the Dumbo live action, but Tim Burton Dumbo, he's not going to be in it anymore. Oh, thank God, we might get, um, might get bad boys. On we time, might get bad it? boys, and I think that's that's possibly why. But um, Will Smith, Will Smith's career choices have been scrutinised so much. They're so weird, that's why. Yeah, But he's... they've always been weird. They've been weird for ten years now, and we've just not, we've kind of let him go. I'm not going to do Matrix, I'm going to do Wild Wild West. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's Because nothing says creativity like a giant f***ing spider. <laughs> what's, what's his name, the guy? John Peters. John Peters. <laughs> you know, spiders are the fiercest killers in the <laughs> Let me tell you something about polar bears. <laughs> right, if you don't yeah. know what joke this is about John Peters and the giant spider, just go to Wikipedia and type in John Peters. There's no H yeah. in John. John Peters, and prepare to learn about the single most John Peters, bad Kevin man. Giant spider. Yeah, just honest to God, the man is deranged. Uh, what's yeah. the documentary, uh, Death of Superman oh, Lives? Yeah. If you watch that... That was, that was a good film, really oh good film. Oh my God, he's hysterical in it. He's, uh, he's he clinically really insane. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to watch that again, I think. Like, he's an older man as well, so God forbid he ever gets, like, dementia yeah. or anything he like was, that. He, he, was, he was a hairdresser. become a supervillain. He was a hairdresser to, like, the likes of Barbra Streisand. <laughs> if he lost his marbles, he could become a world-threatening supervillain. Do you know what I want to see? Kidding. I want to see, a, like, a film about John Peters. What? <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> in the many interviews that we've seen of him, he said that he was from the streets. Yeah. He was a street fighter, yeah. and then became a hairdresser. Because that happens. And then was all a the producer. Time. Yeah, that, that totally happens. Well, this is a story I read what? an interview. Uh, there was a very rare interview with him recently. Um, I've, I've got the link saved. I should send it to you. They interviewed John Peters, a genuine heart-to-heart interview with him to address the, you know his legacy and the legend of John Peters. Yeah. And certain things do come out in it. So, for instance, he got his start, you know, because he was in a relationship with uh, with uh, Barbara Streisand. He was a hairdresser. He started dating her, and uh, they were sort of a power, an on-off power couple for like a decade. Mm. But also, they're still really close friends. Which yeah. is when how. I just uh, James Brolin feels about that. I just can't imagine, though. Just imagine one of your mates is Barbara Streisand. That's a surreal experience. That's just... That's got to be weird. Yeah. But, I don't think so. I always think about Family Guy gag. And she's, <laughs> she's like, oh, James, I'm so happy I married a non-celebrity. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I like James Brolin as well. I mean, I don't think he's quite as cool as, as Josh, but... Yeah, I like him. Also, in the West Wing. For a yes, brief period. Yes, yeah, plays, plays a Republican. Before the Southern Fury screen the other day, um, I believe it was Charlotte from uh, Evening Standard was talking to me about uh, Jonathan Skeech. Mm. We're talking about how he'd, he'd been around and he disappeared. Yeah. Well, yeah, he disappeared for many years. He was the guy you always used to get when you needed a younger, better-looking Peter Gallagher. And then he vanished and then turned up as Jonah Hex on Legends of Tomorrow, and no one can yeah. explain that. And her response was, I've never seen Jonah Hex. I went, oh, yeah, you totally should. It's You're awful. You're missing out. It's awful. Yeah. Went, but, and, and we started going through the cast. I went, oh, yeah, Michael Fassbender was the villain. She's like, what? Yeah. Wait, what? Malkovich. Malkadraz. What's the thing? No, she, this is the thing. It apparently is not remembered that Michael Fassbender was one of the villains in there. And I was like, no, no, totally yeah, true. He, not he he, not even the, the main bad guy. Yeah. But that was Josh Brolin. kind of like a goon, isn't he? Jonah Hex. Yeah, which I think could have been a good film, but for whatever reason, 
just did not the, leg- the Legends version is pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll so. say about Peter Gallagher, Peter Gallagher is now, like, aged into his oh, eyebrows. Yeah. Peter Gallagher has, got, has got grown through middle age to become the sexy middle-aged version of Peter Gallagher. He's like a fine wine, that man. He is, isn't he's, he? like, he's like a fine Clooney. It's just, like, smoky cool. That's isn't what it he? Is. Yeah. Smoked cool. Have you seen the new episodes of New Girl when he plays uh, Schmidt's dad? Schmidt's dad. Which is like, like, oh boy. It's perfect casting because there is an episode of VOC where the guy who plays Schmidt plays a younger version of Sandy Cohen. No way. Is that Yeah, nice? I think it's maybe season three of VOC. I, 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 oh, and no, I forgot most of season three. Yeah, go back and watch it, but that's I, a really. Yeah, I got tired I of that, that whole Volchek Johnny storyline. I really. But I, by the oh, end, yeah, and that's season three. Oh. Yeah, season three was one of those years of television where I was just like, can someone please kill Marissa? And then it got and to the end, happens. and I'm like, thank God you killed Marissa. Finally. Yeah, she was like the worst. And then season show. four, we get, you know, Autumn Risa, and life great. becomes good again because Autumn Risa is amazing yeah. and should be worshipped as a goddess. I'm a big, big fan of this. Yeah, I can't even remember the name of that character, but uh, yeah. what was her character's name? I don't know. No? Oh. I can't remember. Do you want to have uh, some, more, uh, some more casting news? Go for it. Go for it. So this dropped this morning. Uh, the Predator has started filming. Yes, and someone's joined us. Who is it? Yeah, uh, it is Alfie Allen. Oh! Reek himself. From so, Game of Thrones. I love that. I love that Reek has uh, Predator. Yeah, this happened today yeah. as well. Reek so, has Predator, yeah. and uh, who's the other one? The, uh, Ra- Ramsey. Ramsey Ramsey's gone over to Fox Marvel. Yeah, and and he's going to be. He, oh, this is the part. I love. Do you know about the character he's playing? He's going to be in the Inhumans. Yeah. He's the uh, brother Maximus, of, isn't it? Yeah, he's the brother of the king who's trying to usurp him and undermine him. Yeah, it, like, it kind of feels like Loki. Really? <laughs> but I'm fine with that, to be honest. Well, apparently, who's going to be Black Bolt? This is the thing. Who's they're going. going apparently, they they are lining up the Inhumans to be to be sort of pitched as this sort of superhero Game of Thrones. Yeah, which, which I'm like, cool. Oh yes, please. Yeah, because no. it, it was originally going to be a film, and mm. now it's going to be an eight part series on ABC, not Fox. Mm-hmm. Um, so the same station that has um, oh, Shield, which is bizarre when you think about it, but if they're going to do it, it's good that they're not going to be the same show. It's going yeah. to have sort of like a contrast. It's, it's um, interesting. But the first two episodes are going to be shown in IMAX. This is the thing, isn't it? Yeah. Which is leading many to think, oh, good, at least we'll get costumes. At least we'll get costumes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I am I am all on board for that. Uh, but Alfie Allen uh, joined The Predator, and that's already got a good cast. And I, yeah, I, I do like Alfie Allen. Alfie Allen... Apart from the fact that he killed John Wick's dog. Yeah. What were you that's, thinking? That's the bit. Lily Come Allen's on. brother. Come on, Alfie. You knew better than this. Come on. That <sighs> man was John Wick. I hope that Keith Allen is just like... <laughs> Alfie. Keith Allen. As soon as Alfie Allen comes home, Keith Allen just hands him a scot, punches him in the cart, yeah. and then, as soon as his wife dies, you kill his f- dog. <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't the boogeyman. He's the guy you get to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> Whatever casting I forgot. Um, Tim Minchin is going to be uh, in Robin Hood Origins. Yes, as I heard Friar this. Took. I'm, I'm good with that. I'm great with it. I love I'm Tim Minchin. I've, I've seen him live a couple of times. I'm wondering really how he's going to play it. Well, I- as far as I'm aware, as far as I know, in fact, he's never been in a film. Has he not? I don't, I don't think he's been in a film. Do you know why he's, I'm He's acted before, and he was in uh, Jesus Christ Superstar. I'm, get, I'm getting thrown because he's in an entire season of Californication. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And I'd somehow forgotten that he was I a rock like star, I have never seen him in a film. Doesn't he that, do a musical? That makes sense. I think he does a musical in Californication. Well, he's, he's written musicals in real life as well. He did uh, a Groundhog Matilda. Day, did Matilda, really just... Excellent, excellent dude. Yeah, I saw Groundhog Day, but really just felt very repetitive. Anyway, um, oh, Angela Lansbury. 
Yeah, so she is joined uh, Mary Poppins Returns because it's on its quest to have every single butchers person ever, oh, apart yeah. from Emma Thompson at this point. I mean, it, seriously, I mean, at, at this point, if uh, Emma Thompson's got to have a cameo because obviously she's in Saving Mr. Banks, and yeah, yeah, every British person needs to be in this. I'm pretty sure Ronan Keating's turning up any day now, and uh, <laughs> Ronan Keating. <laughs> I need an obscure British person. First of all, he's Irish. He's Irish. Yeah. Second of all, not an actor, a singer. No, no, Third he's been all, in films. Ronan Keating to, to IMDb I go. Did you not know this? Why would I want to know I this? I reviewed them before your time, admittedly. But yeah, Ronan Keating has been in films. Let's, let's find out what films I'm, Ronan I'm Keating's been in. Oh, we are getting a fourth Purge movie, by the way. I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to tell you that. Oh, okay. You well, tell I was, me. You, I you beat me to it. I was going to give you details, man. Give me the details, then. Give me the deets. Okay. So you know James DeMonico wrote and directed the first three, directed the trilogy. Well, at the end of election year, that story's kind of done. The whole Purge storyline is kind of closed out, and it has a beginning, middle, and end. Where does one go from there? Well, this is the thing. No one knows where the fourth is going to go. James DeMonico is going to write it. However, he's only going to serve as a producer, not a director. He's going to help the rest of the producers pick a new director. So this could go any which way but loose. We don't know. We don't know when it's going to be set. We don't know who's going to direct it. We just know there is going to be a Thurge. A fourth (laughs) Thurge. The Thurge. Did you exercise before that stretch? (laughs) I think I did. I needed to, because I feel very strained. (laughs) Oh, oh, oh. There's one story we haven't, uh, a biggie we haven't touched on, uh, which is Helen Mirren. Yeah, right. I thought this was just already prior knowledge. Because it was was just, like, obvious. It it, it was an obvious rumour, and now it's sort of been confirmed by someone who's in the series, but not actually a new one. So we now know... In the fast, in the face of the Furious, which is the eighth Fast and Furious movie, we now know who Helen Mirren's playing. If you don't want to know, skip forward three seconds from now. She's Jason Statham and Luke Evans's mum. That was not three seconds. Yeah, but they'll come back in about now. Oh hi, yeah. Welcome back. Welcome back. Yeah, that was that was really great. Sorry, we didn't want to. We didn't want to. We didn't want to really accidentally ruin. You know, she was going to be playing like Dwayne Johnson's love interest and everything like that. But uh, that's a power couple, oh. isn't it? Imagine that power that's, couple. Oh, that film's got to be game made. Oh, and you know that she'd sign up for that as well. Miroc. Miroc. Oh, that, that that celebrity couple name just sells itself. Miroc. Miroc. Yeah. yeah. Although he is happily married and has a kid. He does. <laughs> Do you think that he calls his kid the Pebble? So, uh, no, that was someone. That someone. Uh, I think it was a, a young boy um, with disability. I think was was doing some fitness challenge and actually messaged the Rock, and he put it on his Instagram feed last week. And he he calls himself Pebble. Calls himself, oh, and, and the Rock thought was adorable. And yeah. Oh come on, he's got to call his kid Little Rock. But... Little Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the name of one of the characters from Zombieland? Uh, Little yeah, Rock. Isn't um, that uh, Abigail Breslin? Abigail Breslin. Yeah. yeah. Who does Emma, who's Emma Stone's character? Which which part of oh, America is she? She's not Dakota, is she? Quite possibly. Quite possibly. Uh, Woody Harrelson is Tallahassee. Tallahassee and Columbus. Columbus, yeah. yeah. God, I love that movie. I really do. The film needs a rewatch. It does need a rewatch. I, I feel bad because I rewatch it maybe four months. It's great, though. And, yeah, I never get tired of a brunette Emma Stone in leather, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, wandering off again. Anyway, <laughs> so, so did you did you find out about Ronan Keating? Yeah, right. So he's in, he's in Keith Lemon the film. He is. I hate when I'm talking about this. Uh, he's in, he's in Postman Pat the movie. He's he is. Singing yes, voice he of is. Postman yep. Pat. I'm. I feel like I'm not counting these as like as performances in films. For one, he's doing the thing that he's paid. I'm assuming decent money for, which is just singing. Yeah. And then another, he's playing himself. So unless he's playing a heightened version of himself, a la Larry David and Kirby Enthusiasm, <laughs> wouldn't I'm, that be nice? I'm not counting it. 
Oh, he's in another film called Goddess where he plays he plays a character. He, plays uh, a he does, yeah, he does sign Goddess. He's a, he's a face on the poster for Goddess. But uh, yeah, that's an intriguing. Well, yeah, but he he does he does act. That's the whole thing. He does act. So I'm right, you're wrong. You've now learnt. Do you feel like you've grown from this experience, Mister Allen? I feel like I need to see it to determine whether you can actually <laughs> say that he acts. Right. Okay. Just take it from me. You never need to actually see Goddess. Well, I've seen the poster. That tells me everything I need to know. Yes, that that really does. It's a terrible movie. <laughs> it is to have two small boys strapped to his legs. I'm not sure. I can't really remember. I'm pretty sure I, that's the movie that I called an X Factor sob story dragged out to a full narrative. <laughs> I like his shirt though. It's like a yellow tartan. Like a yellow uh, yeah, I do remember thing. that. Yeah. yeah, it does look like the kind of thing you'd wear. Actually, <laughs> I feel like I already own it. Actually, you probably do. You have quite the array of checkered shirts. Yeah, like do you know in like Tim Burton's Batman where he goes down to the cave and then you see like all the bat suits? Yeah, I've essentially got that, but for checkered shirts. Oh, I always imagine like your wardrobe doing more like Lego Batman's collections. <laughs> 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 That's reggae, man. <laughs> but, uh, should we talk about best real quick then? Which is the last film we got to review this week? This is. Yes. Uh, documentary about would you would you imagine george best oh yeah he was a footballer he was a footballer and that's that to be honest with you like to drink that's kind of all i know yeah he was a footballer he liked to drink yeah. uh had a liver transplant kept drinking died yeah. and that's the dennis leary version of a plot synopsis <laughs> so uh yeah this is the documentary it takes you back from uh his his start with manchester united how he became the legend that he was how he discovered he did like a drink did like the ladies and how this would lead to his eventual downfall who is that you're showing me on on a picture there? That's a picture of uh, John Peters. That is absolutely in the wonderful. 80s. He he was a lot more handsome in than in the eighties. Yeah, he was. Now he just kind of looks. You can you can see that he was a hairdresser though. I mean, oh yeah, he just incredible. he kind of looks like a shaved mongoose now. That's the problem. Like he a, does a, now. A, pl- a plump shaved mongoose. Who would shave a mongoose? Lunatics. <laughs> That's your first sign. <laughs> Lunatics. Lunatics fattened up and shaved a mongoose. That mongoose is John Peters. And his name is still on the DCEU movies. Is it? Yes. Did you? Oh, that's great. Have you not heard that? No, I'm going to like... John Peters I'm, made... I'm, I'm sorry for interrupting uh, uh, George Best. He he made millions on Man of Steel. He never showed up a single day on Man of Steel. He's earning millions from these movies. It was actually a thing. That, that man is a genius. yeah, yeah. John Peters, because he's so closely tied to these films, he's a producer on all of them. I feel like his hair just makes money now. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. Something. Would Do you know, like to Fry mixes his own hair gel in Futurama. Yeah, yeah. He just that would totally he, he, like rubs it and dollars fall out. Okay, I will tell you what. We, we know we know what Best is about. Here's a clip. I'm working for Cher, living with her in Beverly Hills. We get a phone call to the house from a man called Henry Weinberg, I think it was, Elizabeth Taylor's boyfriend at the time, and says, George would like you to come to his party in Hermosa Beach. So he picks me up, drives me down to Hermosa Beach. There's no party. There's George in his flip-flops and his shorts and his T-shirt, and there's me all dressed up. (laughs) Um, And he's sitting at the bar... All by himself. So, just one of the interviewees there. Um, Best is actually, it's not a bad documentary. It's just it offers absolutely nothing new. I mean, literally, you just proved it yourself by saying, yeah, he's the footballer who liked to drink. That's kind of the story. That's what we all know. Mm. And we've all seen the story covered in so many different ways, particularly because he only died, what, a decade ago? Was it 12, 12 years ago, George Best? Roundabout, yeah. And um, it was November. I was at uh, Loughborough University at the time, I think. And... Uh, yeah, this thing, in the wake of his actual death, there's been so much coverage over the years, so many different takes on the George Best story, 
that really it's a hard subject to provide new material for. Now, Daniel Gordon, to be fair to him, has a background, as a documentary filmmaker, has a preoccupation with football anyway. He did the Hillsborough documentary. Uh, He's done uh, the Hillsborough episode of 30 for 30 as well. Hmm. Um, He has a pedigree in doing football documentaries. So you would expect from that, then, that he, of all people, would know, you need to find something new to cover with this, because it's kind of been done. And... Hmm. He seems to have settled on, you know what we'll do? We'll show more of him in his prime. We'll show more of why he was a legend and why it was such a tragic loss when he finally left us. And for the most part, he succeeds in that. There's a lot more stuff than you're accustomed to about, here's George Best in his heyday. Here's him throwing parties. Here's him opening this bar. Here's him. And you think, yes, okay, I like that. As the clip we just played kind of proved, it goes into lengths about his womanizing and things like that. But the problem is, that's only entertaining, really, for about the 15 minutes that they allow it to be the focus. Once you get past that, you're back to the same old story, and you're back to the same, and then he was just drinking too much, and then he needed a transplant, and then he, for some reason, against all advice, he started drinking it. You think, yeah, okay, now we're back to the Channel 4 coverage that we're all used to. Hmm. And the problem is, it, you're not really selling this to me, aside from you've given me more of even him in his prime. And that's a bit of a shame. There's also a noticeable lack of significant interview talent in there. There's no historical context placed on what George Best meant. There's a fleeting, quite lazy offhand reference to he was what Beckham was, Beckham is today. You know, he he was doing the same kind of thing before then. You know, there would be no Beckham without George Best once upon a time. You think, okay, that's a fleeting reference. It would be nice if you had modern footballers, for instance. If you had contemporary footballers talking about how they live up to the legacy left behind by George Best, particularly given what football culture is like now. Given that sort of a context, wouldn't you like to hear footballers from this era look back on George Best and say, that's how he ended, this is the effect it has? That's fascinating stuff, and yet it shies away from it. And it's a real shame from someone who's worked on 30 for 30 and thus knows what a gritty and insightful documentary should be. And I felt very let down. But, I mean, do you have any interest in seeing another George West documentary? I've not seen one. You've never seen one? Um, I still don't. You've never seen one, and you know that level of the story, so you're okay. Yeah, like, I know that he was an insanely talented uh, player. Oh, you actually, when um, you see the archival footage, the guy was like a surgeon. Mm, Yeah, no, he was insane. He was incredible, yeah, absolutely. And... um, Another, uh, his son is is called Callum. His um, son is Callum. And his wife was, was Angie, I think. And yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm obviously not a football fan. No, I'm not really a football guy. Honest, um, but, uh, but he seemed like he led an interesting life. And I remember he he was once on uh, a question of sport. I remember watching that episode when I was a kid, and it was uh, yeah, it was, it was funny. Yeah, his appearance on Wogan does come up as well in the film. They obviously have to show that clip and. Yeah. Yeah, it is a shame, but uh, mm. I say it is. It's always always been a tragic story, the, the the George Best story. It's always been a story of wasted talent, rather than go down the route of let's play this in the Amy way, which would have been the smart play. You could genuinely yeah. have done this in the Amy Amy like Asikapadia way, but they go for something a bit more ESPN. In fact, it is actually produced by ESPN. Oh, is it? The film is actually produced by mm. ESPN, so it does have a, a lineage, a, a tie to Thirty for Thirty, but it just doesn't quite live up to it. Which is a shame. That's a shame. Hey, speaking of Wogan, yeah. um, have we used the Nicholas Cage appearance on Wogan for Moment of Cage? We have not, so we'll do that this week. Let's do that. Let's do that this week. Here it is. Your Moment of Cage. You, you have reportedly <coughs> saying that if, if you hadn't been an actor, you'd be dead now. Well, you know, maybe I was a little bit far-fetched. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I guess I had this 
need, you know, to do kind of crazy things. And if maybe if I hadn't become an actor, I used to like the idea of robbing banks. Yeah. So at least now I don't really have to rob a bank. I can just do it in a movie. Safer that way. But if you wanted to, the guys and I, we'd go out and we'd do, we'd help. If you want to really? get it off your chest, we'll rob a couple of you banks. You want to go now. rob a bank with me? Well, they're all closed now. We'll have to wait what until time? Tuesday. You get off work soon? It's or? a bank holiday, so Tuesday. Okay. <laughs> okay, we'll make a day. All right. See, you've come over here to get away from all the excitement, or are you going to work here? What uh, you no, I came over here to go on your show. Oh. Yeah. You see? You see? People still care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.